The greatest story ever told is a true story. It is a story of adventures, battles, kings and queens, heroes and villains, good and evil, history and prophecy. It is your story. Come join the adventure of the Bible story. Chapter 187 After the Transfiguration Peter, James, and John were deeply shaken by what they had seen and experienced on the mountain. They had been shown a vision of how Jesus would look in his glory at his second coming. In the vision, the three men had also seen Moses and Elijah, and they had heard the earth-shaking voice of the mighty God. But the vision had ended. Jesus was a flesh-and-blood man once again. After Jesus helped the men to their feet, he turned and began to walk back down the mountain. In a daze of bewilderment, Peter, James, and John followed him. Christ broke the silence with some instructions. Tell the vision to no man, until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. The vision had powerfully confirmed that Jesus was the Messiah. The three disciples thought about how this connected to Moses and Elijah. The men remembered a prophecy in the book of Malachi that Elijah would come before the Messiah. Why then do the scribes say Elijah must come first? One of the disciples asked. Christ answered, Elijah truly shall first come and restore all things. But Elijah has actually come already and the people did not recognize his significance. The people did terrible things to him, and the Son of Man will also suffer at their hands in the same way. The disciples then understood that John the Baptist had been a type of the prophet Elijah. John the Baptist had come on the scene just before Jesus' ministry began. He had prepared the people to hear the message Jesus would preach, the good news of the soon-coming kingdom of God. Soon after Jesus' ministry began, John the Baptist had been imprisoned and put to death. Before this conversation between Jesus and his disciples took place, two different Elijahs had already lived and died. The first was the original prophet Elijah in the days of ancient Israel. The second was John the Baptist. But neither he nor the original prophet restored all things, as Christ prophesied this type of Elijah would. So it is clear that Christ was also speaking a prophecy about another Elijah. This other man would come some 1900 years later in the end time, just before Christ's second coming. This other man would also come in the spirit and power of Elijah, as John the Baptist had. The big difference would be that the end time Elijah figure would restore all things, teaching all the foundational truth of God to the people of God's church to prepare teachers before Christ's return. 
when he would restore all things to the whole world. Jesus, Peter, James, and John continued walking back to rejoin the other disciples where they were waiting for their return. As they drew near, they saw a crowd of people outside a house. There were scribes among the people asking the disciples many questions. One man from the crowd saw Jesus approaching. He shouted, Look, everyone, it's Jesus himself heading this way. The people turned and saw him. They began running toward him with great excitement. What were you asking my disciples? Jesus asked the scribes. Standing near Jesus was a man holding up his son. It was obvious that the boy was not well. His face was frozen in an expression of distress. His arms and wrists were curled in, and he seemed to be unable to stand up without his father's support. Still holding his son, the man knelt before Jesus. Master, please have mercy on my boy. He is terribly ill. He is possessed by a spirit that won't let him talk. The spirit often seizes him and throws him violently to the ground. Sometimes it even throws my poor son into fires. He foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth. His body becomes stiff all over. He is my only child and he's suffering terribly. The man's eyes welled up with tears. He didn't know why his son had to suffer so horribly day after day, year after year. He continued, Master, I know that you are a great healer, so I asked your disciples to cast the evil spirit out of my son. They came here to our home and tried to do so, but they couldn't do it. Jesus looked at the man, the boy, the scribes, and the rest of the crowd. Oh, you unbelieving people. You don't have any faith. How much longer will I be here with you? Despite his frustration, Jesus felt great compassion for the man and his afflicted boy. Bring your son to me, he said. The man stood up, lifting his son to his feet as best he could. He pulled the boy toward Jesus. As soon as the demon saw Jesus Christ, it threw the boy into violent convulsions. He fell onto the ground, rolling and shaking and foaming at the mouth. How long has your son had these problems? Jesus asked. Ever since he was a child. The man answered. Tears streamed down the man's face. This evil spirit has been trying to kill him for so long, he said. The man looked at Jesus in desperation. Please, have compassion on us. Please, help us if you can. If you believe, it will be done, Jesus said. If a person truly believes the truth of God, anything is possible. The man knew that he believed in Jesus and his power to a degree, but he knew that he needed to believe more deeply and completely. He knew he lacked the kind of godly faith he should have. I do believe, but please help me to completely and fully believe, he said to Jesus. Jesus looked once again at the boy lurching on the ground. He spoke to the evil spirit that tormented him. You deaf and mute demon, I command you to get out of this boy and don't ever bother him again. The demon was furious. It screeched and made the boy shake even more violently. Then suddenly the demon was gone and the boy was completely still 
and silent. Oh no! The boy is now dead! A woman in the crowd said. <gasps> yes, he's dead. Many others agreed with her. The boy is dead! They refused to believe that Jesus had the power to truly heal him. But Jesus knelt down beside the boy and held his hand. The boy took a deep breath. opened his eyes and stood up. He was healthy. He was finally free from the evil spirit that had tormented him for so many years. He was healed. Later that evening, the disciples were alone with Jesus in one of their homes. They were deep in thought about the astonishing events that had happened that day. One of them asked Christ, A short time ago, you gave us the authority to heal people and to cast out demons in your name. We have used that authority to successfully order demons to leave people until today. Why were we not able to cast the demon out of that boy? Jesus was pleased to hear this question. It gave him an opportunity to teach them a vital lesson. Only faith-fueled prayer and fasting can drive that kind of demon out of a person. Nothing else can do it. If you trust in your own authority and your own position, you will not be able to do mighty works. But if you have true faith in God and remember that you are utterly dependent on Him, you will accomplish astounding things. From the table beside him, Jesus picked up a jar of mustard seeds. He removed the stopper and placed a single seed on the tip of his finger holding it out for the disciples to see. Even if you only have a tiny bit of godly faith, just the size of this little seed, that would be enough for you to say to a mountain, move over to that faraway valley, and the mighty mountain would move at your command. Jesus concluded, If you have true faith, nothing will be impossible for you. Jesus and his disciples departed from Caesarea Philippi and began making their way through the Galilee region. Men, as we travel through this area, I want you to keep quiet about who I am. Jesus said he knew that his death was only about six months away and the disciples still had much to learn from him. They had to be careful with their time. As we continue along our way, I want you to let these words really sink into your minds. The Son of Man will be handed over to people who will kill him. They will kill him. And after he has been dead for three days, he will rise up again. The disciples could not understand what he meant and why something so terrible had to happen. These men had been expecting the appearance of the Messiah. For their entire lives, the Jewish leaders had taught them that the Messiah would solve the world's problems and rule over everyone with power and mercy. They knew Jesus was the Messiah. And having seen all the mind-boggling miracles he regularly performed, they knew he had astounding power. They were sure he could use that power to overthrow the local government and the Sanhedrin if he wanted to. Why then did he keep saying he would soon be killed by men? 
The disciples could not grasp the real meaning of these words, and they were afraid to ask him to explain. A short time later, Jesus and his disciples returned to Capernaum. While Peter was apart from the others, a group of men approached him. One of them asked, Is your master willing to pay the temple tribute? It was the custom for every male over age 20 to give money each year to help pay for the maintenance of the temple, communal sacrifices, incense, and everything else involved with the temple service. Yes, Peter said. Jesus pays the temple tribute. Peter made his way back to the house where Jesus was staying. He was anxious to ask Christ if he had answered correctly. But before Peter could ask his question, Jesus spoke. What do you think the answer is? From whom do earthly kings collect taxes and tributes? From their own sons and daughters or from strangers? Peter thought for a moment, then answered. They collect the money from strangers. Well then, Jesus replied. That means the children do not have to pay. Since Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the King of the temple, he was not required to pay the temple tribute. However, Jesus said he would pay to avoid offending the Jews. He then gave Peter some strange instructions about how to obtain money for the payment. Go to the Sea of Galilee and cast your fishing line in. Take the first fish you catch and open its mouth. Inside you will find a coin to pay for my temple tax and yours. Peter followed the instruction, and it happened just as Jesus said. Jesus had worked another miracle, and Peter, who had been a fisherman before he became one of Christ's disciples, would never forget this miraculous catch. When Jesus was away, some of the disciples began discussing the kingdom that God would establish. A brand new kingdom? One of the men said to the others. Can you imagine how beautiful it would be to live in a world ruled by God's government? This discussion began as an uplifting and edifying one. It will be a time of true peace. I can't wait to help Jesus bring prosperity to the whole world. Another disciple said, they all agreed that it was the brightest imaginable future. But after a few minutes, the discussion turned into an argument. The disciples began arguing over which of them would have the highest positions of authority in the kingdom of God. A little while later, Jesus asked them about their discussion. What were you arguing about earlier? He asked. The men kept their eyes down and remained silent. But Jesus knew about their dispute. He sat down and asked the disciples to gather around him. He was about to teach them some precious truth. The kingdom of God will not be at all like the kingdoms of men, he said. Selfish personal ambition will have no place there. The kind of competition that motivates worldly men will have no place in God's kingdom. It will be just the opposite. Whoever wants to be first in God's kingdom must place himself last. 
He must become a servant to all others. Jesus spotted a small child walking nearby. He called the child over and picked him up in his arms. I assure you of this. If you don't change and become like a child, you will not be in the kingdom of heaven at all. But if you become as humble, meek, and obedient as this small child, then you will be the greatest in the kingdom. And whoever welcomes a child like this in my name welcomes me. The disciples looked at the child in Jesus' arms and smiled. Yet they still had much to learn about the kingdom of God and the beautiful way of life Jesus was teaching them. Peter knew that Jesus preached a way of life that required people to forgive each other, but he did not know how many times a person should forgive someone else. So Peter asked Jesus, How many times should I forgive a person who does something wrong to me? Up until seven times? And then I can stop forgiving him? Jesus was happy for the opportunity to teach him that followers of Christ must be astoundingly merciful and forgiving, far beyond what a normal person would think is fair. Actually, Peter, seven times is not enough, Jesus said. If someone is repentant, we must be willing to forgive him 70 times seven times. Here, I will tell you a story that can help you understand the kingdom of heaven better. Jesus often taught by using parables. A parable is a story with a lesson that you can use in your own life. Sometimes the people who heard Jesus' parables understood part of them, but most of their meaning can be understood only by those who believe and obey God and whose minds he opens by the power of his Holy Spirit. Jesus continued, One day there was a king who decided to call on his officials who owed him money. One of the officials owed the king more than a million dollars, and he didn't have any money to pay this debt. The king said he would have this official sold into slavery, along with his wife and children, to pay off this huge debt. But the official dropped to his knees and started begging the king, Please have mercy. Have patience. Please give me another chance, and I will pay you everything I owe. The king felt sorry for this man. He decided to let him go and even told him that the debt was forgiven. The official did not have to pay the king that huge amount of money. The official was greatly relieved. But then he saw another man who owed him about $10. The official grabbed the man by his throat and said, You better pay me what you owe right now. The man who owed the $10 dropped to his knees and started begging the official, Please have mercy. Have patience. Please give me time and I will pay you everything I owe. But the official did not have mercy. Instead, he had the man thrown into prison. When the king found out about it, he called the official to him. You are an evil person. When you ask me for mercy, I forgave your debts. Don't you think you should have mercy and be patient with others the way I was with you? The king was so angry at the official that he had him jailed until he could pay back every dollar he owed. Jesus then concluded the story. And that is how God will treat you if you don't forgive others with all your heart. He has forgiven you, so you must forgive others. As Jesus and the disciples made their way toward Jerusalem, a certain man saw them and said, 
Jesus, I want to follow you and become a disciple. He seemed very sincere, but something was clearly troubling him. First, though, he continued, Please let me go back home briefly and take care of some things there, and also say goodbye to my family and friends. Jesus answered, Anyone who starts plowing the field but keeps looking back is not fit to be in the kingdom of God. The man was puzzled by these words, and the disciples were deeply sobered. They realized that if they wanted to be in God's kingdom, they could not return to their old lives. The disciples understood that serving God with joy and with their whole hearts must remain their highest priority for their whole lives. To be continued in our next episode and continue the adventure by reading the Bible story. Find it under the Resources tab at pcg.church. Thank you.